0: Hello and welcome to the CIO UK podcast, CIO UK's regular dose of discussion, hobnobbing, musings, hype vetting and futuristic conjecture with the Chief Information Officer community in the UK. I'm Edward Qualtro, I'm the editor of CIO UK and I am delighted to introduce to you a recent conversation with TalkTalk CTO Gary Steen. A member of the 2019 CIO 100, Steen spoke about the company's move from London to Salford and its new Tech City HQ next to the BBC's Media City site, recruiting new skills in Manchester in the north-west, how TalkTalk Talk has made great strides in its customer experience proposition with data as the backbone, his interpretation of the CIO role, how TalkTalk has responded to its infamous 2015 cyber breach, the organisation's sustainability agenda, and why CIOs should want to be part of the 2020 CIO 100. Welcome, Gary, to the CIO UK podcast. Could you just introduce who you are and where we are as well, maybe?
1: Yeah, hi, Edward. So I'm Gary Steen. I'm the Managing Director of Technology, Change and Security, uh, we're currently sat in uh, one of our sort of multi-use offices in the northwest in uh, Soapworks, uh, which is just on the periphery of Media City, overlooking central Manchester.
0: Indeed, yeah, we're just looking out of the window. We're by the canal by Exchange Key, I believe. And what have we uh, walked past and visited? We've just been on a little tour of the building. Yeah, so
1: Soapworks is our new uh, corporate headquarters. Uh, we've been here actually about two years, but we we decided this year to actually make it our new corporate HQ as well. So we've been moving or a lot of capability from London to Manchester. Uh, we've just been on a tour around um, some of the technology capability. We've seen our SOC, our Security Operations Center, uh, briefly went to our NOC where everything was running great, which was good. Uh, and we visited some of the teams in terms of how they're working with our, our networking core systems today.
0: Thank you. So I'll ask you a bit about a couple of those uh, sort of uh, things momentarily. First of all, I wanted to ask you though, I know when you started. Uh, the technology role, I suppose, you were the announced the CTO in uh, July 2018, and now your job title is different, even though you were the chief development and delivery officer. Yeah, so, before. so what's the, the job Lots of there, change, yeah. Yeah. So I joined,
1: as I joined uh, seven years ago, looking initially after the software development part of the group as they created a sort of single technology function. And as you say, I then took over the role of sort of chief technology officer uh, a couple of years ago, which encompassed the network, the IT at the time, and basically all the core delivering operations. Uh, changed that last year, we did some um, changes internally and basically look after now technology, which is that group. Um, but we've also brought into my group the change team. So they look after program change across the group, business analysis, solution design, all the areas around change and program capability uh, and security. So security is a big thing at TalkTalk, uh, protecting the network, uh, protecting our colleague and enterprise IT as well as our customers. So we've got a security capability as well, but we have purposely kept them separate. So the security team is, is outside of technology. So whilst I look after them on a day-to-day basis, we have a CISO. Uh, in effect keeps the whole of the technology capability honest. Uh, we think it's quite important to have that sort of gap between the operational teams and the security teams.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, the big moves, one you sort of mentioned uh, at the start about us being here in Manchester. So could you say a little bit about um, uh, the process of moving out from London up to the Northwest? I suppose the, the challenges and the opportunities that it's provided and being in this new technology ecosystem that there is around here. And like you said, Tech City, the, I think the the first companies to come up were some of the media companies. Yeah. But, uh, you spoke earlier um, off the recording about some of the other organizations yeah. who are setting up operations up here as well.
1: So originally, the, our, our, our business was separated sort of three core groups. We had TalkTalk Talk Business based out of a, a site in Warrington. Uh, we had TalkTalk Talk Technology based out of a place called Erland, which is just outside of Manchester. And then we had our consumer group and our corporate part of the group based out of London. So, you know, just over two years ago, we decided to centralize our Northwest um, site into one, uh, decided on moving here to, um, to Soapworks, which is just on the periphery of Media City. Uh, we've officially named it as Tech City. Um, so we're actually, we're just here on the periphery there. And we, it, it, was, it was not just, you know, we did for a number of reasons. A, to tap into the to, to better talent, uh, it was a lot easier to get uh, graduates around because Big big university capability in Manchester, um, but also once we found is when we moved into one site and we started to get everybody working together collaborating in, in a single site we, we we just couldn't underestimate the power that gave us to delivery um, so it just all of a sudden you know people were speaking to p- people they'd never spoke to because they just even though we were only eight miles apart on our two sites, you could have been eighty miles or eight hundred miles apart, so bring them onto one site and collaborator, and we just saw a massive improvements in 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 delivery across the whole group. So it was actually Tristy, our CEO, who in effect decided, right, this is so great. We need to tap into this and we need to really sort of, you know, encourage this to the next level. Uh, and took, the, you know, what was a brave move to make, um, you know, Manchester our HQ. So the last, you know, the last 12, 18 months, we've been, you know, basically announced it really early on with our teams You know, give them massive notice of what weather plan was. It really encourages many people to move up as possible. Although obviously moving, you know, it is a big big change for people. Uh, We've had some people move up to the Northwest. Uh, We've also had some people decide to leave as well. And we've had a a recruitment campaign to move, you know, roughly about 350 roles uh, from London up to Manchester. We'll still retain a small presence in London, probably around some some core regulatory and some some you know finance roles, etc., and some group roles that in effect need to be closer to the city. Still, uh, we're pretty much right through that phase. We we uh, a number of our colleagues left the business in September as we recruited through the year, and some remaining people leave at the end of this year. So it's gone it's gone really really well. Um, and you know you know whilst it's always sad to see people leave the business, we've had you know, some some amazing people join recently as well.
0: So on that note I was going to ask because it's a theme of almost all conversations I have with CIOs and CCOs anecdotally it was a theme uh, uh quantitatively in an uh, initiative like the CIO 100 where it got cited by lots of CIOs about skills recruitment and retention so what's it uh meant in real times for how you've been able to you know uh tap into new talent pools and and skills and and
1: yeah, I think it's a great question. I think it's given it's give us the opportunity to not just recruit what we had in London back in Manchester. So what we have done is we sort of managed to go back a little bit to sort of, you know, a blank piece of paper and say, what are the skills we need now for the you know, for the change in technology? So, you know, we mentioned earlier offline about, you know, we've had a big, big growth in terms of things like robotics and uh, data, et cetera. So we've really managed to bring some, I would say, really smart talent in around those areas specifically and across the whole piece. So, you know, I think, you know, what we've always managed to do is to tap into um, a lot more of the graduate space as well. So we've got great relationships with the University of Manchester uh, and lots of other the, the universities as well. And we've seen the graduate recruitment policy. So, you know, I said earlier, we probably brought four or five graduates into tech three years ago, but, you know, last year we brought, you know, 65 in. So we managed to change not just who we recruit, but you know, also the types of resources and got a whole host of really eager graduates and you've got to keep them entertained, uh, but really eager graduates starting to really make uh, inroads into the technology side of the business.
0: So it's quite a buoyant tech ecosystem up here. So <coughs> that my last visit, a uh, work-related visit, I think we had an event up here in 2016 and I met the CIO for Manchester City Council, who was then Bob Brown, yeah. and Rachel Dunscombe, who was at Salford Royal. And they were saying that there was quite a lot uh, happening in the area in the northwest. At
1: the, at yeah, you know, North sound Bayside. But if you, you know, if you look out across the skyline across Manchester, I think it's probably respected what's happening. There's just a huge amount of building work going on. Um, in terms of that, we've seen obviously announcements from the likes of you know GTHQ. We've got Amazon moving up here. We've got Microsoft open office. Uh, I think pretty much everyone now is looking at you know almost all companies are looking to have a sort of second hub outside of London. Uh, and we see a lot of that traffic, so to speak, coming to definitely Manchester, you know, and Leeds as well. Um, but, you know, we saw BBC and um, ITV move up a couple of years in terms of media. I think what you're seeing now is a sort of second big wave, which is even bigger, which is a sort of big technology push as well. So, you know, I meet quite a few of those CIOs in the Northwest, and you're right, you know, almost all of them now are, are seeing, you know, big increases in terms of capability they require in the Northwest as a second home.
0: I wanted to uh, throw back at you a couple of uh, Gary Steen quotations um, that I remember from uh, CIO 100 responses earlier in uh, the start of 2019 or spring 2019. And one of them was, you described talk TalkTalk, uh, you, you know, yourself and the organization as being data millionaires, but insight paupers. So could you sort of elaborate uh, what you sort of mean by that, and also if you think it's it can be improved now at the end of uh, 2019.
1: Yeah, I think where I come from with that is really to say that listen, you know, we don't manufacture anything at TalkTalk. Talk. You know, we we don't produce cars like Ford, we don't manufacture tins of beans or Kellogg's cornflakes, but you know, but we produce lots of data. Our customers are using data in terms of accessing the internet. Uh we're using data in terms of call records. Everything we produce, bills we produce, emails, everything we produce is all data led. And I think we have just literally copious amount of data right there across the estate, both on different platforms. Um, but the most important point is I think we weren't really utilizing that data to get business insight. So that's why I say we were data millionaires, but, you know, just really poor on the insight. Uh, we had lots of what i call red and green monitoring, uh, but really not using that 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 capability to drive an improvement in customer experience. So I think the big shift for us over the last 18 months is really taking that data and starting to do something with it. Uh, Absolutely, every single metric from a customer experience perspective—whether it be complaints or whether it be you know um, customers leaving our service or our feedback on trust wherever these stats are, they're all going in the right direction. I'd like to think that's you know somewhat round to how we're approaching the, to the data. Uh, and I now describe ourselves as a sort of data billionaires and insight portal port, port, because some of our platforms, I found out, just got literally billions and billions, you know, of rows of requests of data every day. You know, some of our platforms get hit about thirteen billion requests a day, uh, producing data rows. So we get a real lot of data. It's about how do you take that data uh, and turn it into the meaningful that you can you can power in action
0: on. And that is having an impact on your customer experience and how you're sort of perceived in the in the sort of B2C world, I suppose. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think, you know, there's always sometimes there's there's things you can do which when you do things on data which give you an immediate impact and there's things you do which take a while to, in effect, you know, trickle through in terms of, you know, things like the brand, etc. But, you know, uh, as I say, since we've sort of um, really empowered the teams to, to bring the data to the forefront and drive the decisions off it, then we've seen, you know, absolutely every metric in the business uh, in terms of you know that can be how long it takes us to handle a call request, how many engineer visits we send, how many routers we send to customers. Um, as I say, agent satisfaction, every single metric's improved drastically. And you can pinpoint that movement, a lot of it back to the policies and use and data that we're using right away throughout the group, whether it's in technology, with our consumer teams, our B2B teams. It's just, it's a true joint effort to empower the data, definitely. It's not just a technology-driven thing. It's You can only produce the data. It's going to be consumed by the business and you're know, going to be joined in the hip on it.
0: I've got another Gary Steen original quotation <laughs> for you, which is about being the frugal of the north. So, which is which is a phrase I quite like. Yeah, to, yeah. A elaborate. A bit. Yeah, it was
1: interesting because you know I I look at companies. I've looked at companies like Google and things like this and see what's the, what's the secret sauce those guys have got and how do you capture a little bit of that sort of disruptive capability. We've always been a disruptor. At Talk Talk, you know our Germans, um always trying to think of different ways to sort of like disrupt the marketplace and offer differentiation for customers. But I think we need to do it in our own talk-talk way. And so how I describe it is, so how do we sort of tap into the Google best bits of it, but how do we do it in a cost-effective way? Because, you know, we are a value provider. So that's where it's of kind the phrase of the sort of frugal of the north. So we want to be like Google, but just a little bit more value-based, uh, a little bit cost, but cost-effective. cost So we're doing some of the Google-esque things, but without the cost, hopefully.
0: You mentioned um, your chair and being disruptive. Now, I know uh, you have said that... Uh, Phil Jordan, who's the CIO at Sainsbury's, is on the board at TalkTalk. Talk, yeah, he's right. one of our non-execs on the board. He's an NED here. So what is the sort of advantages, the benefits, and also the challenges of having Phil in his old role as the global CIO at, at Telefonica for... Um, anyone listening who's not got an in-depth history of phil jordan's background but of having someone who can fight the corner of technology i suppose and and its relevance and importance but also knowing this is someone who really knows their stuff as well you can't sort of squeeze things past them
1: well i think i think the first thing all of our non-execs are great so you know but definitely phil so for those who don't know phil phil's a, a seasoned veteran in both the you know, IT and, and telco space as well. He was CIO at Telefonica and, you know, across their group in, in Europe for quite some time. So he's definitely got, you know, what what Phil brings to the party is obviously a huge amount of experience that he's got, you know, running and running a large scale operation. So he just gets it. That's the first thing. So, you know, Phil and I can have conversations where I can explain the challenges, uh, what's happening, and it doesn't take long for it to translate. know, you know, he's had similar challenges in his past life, whether he's at Telefonica, etc. So, he just gets it. That's a, that's that's a, that you can't underestimate when you're speaking to a board member about having somebody who understands your world. It just takes half the pain away. Uh, the inverse side, is like you're right. There's some not challenges, but obviously with that, he, he gets it. And you can't pull the wool over his eyes. Not that we attempt to. Uh, and Phil and I have, have been have been sort of friends for a while anyway, mm-hmm. offline. But you know, in terms of that, you know, Phil gets it, and you know, he he, he chairs our um, security PLC committee as well for us. Uh, and does an amazing job of prodding and probing about all the things and you know obviously giving really constructive builds but obviously you know how can we go quicker on this how can we go better um so he's always challenging that and trying to do trying to get through more but uh really really pleased with with Phil and how he's landed and i think he adds i think you he, right he, he you know part of his role is he, he personally mentors me as well and he also helps in terms of making sure that technology has a good voice around the boardroom table
0: so uh said mentioned security as well yeah. and we were going to talk about i'm sure the talk talk board is better versed than many now in the the real implications of um uh security breaches so what are some of the um uh changes and processes and, and things that have happened at talk talk over the the last few years and also wanted to ask about cio and cso relations because yeah. when you described the uh, technology change and security setup, and how there's sort of a dotted, a sort of a dotted line between you. Is that- well, so? The CISO
1: reporting into myself. So yeah. Derek Cheng, who's our CISO, um, does an amazing job in security team. So I think you, you need to keep security close to technology because a lot of the requirements, you know, need to be delivered by the technology team. But obviously, I do like the idea of keeping that independence. So you know, te- Derek's part of my my leadership team, whereas um, sort of full permission to go get really upset and make sure that we 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 get all the requirements that he needs into the technology roadmap and get delivered by the rest of the team. So I think we have a really good uh, work relationship. We've been working together for a number of years now. Um, and, you know, in terms of, you know, in terms of our investment, yes, you're right. You know, it's one of the areas that we really obsess about making sure that they have a robust plan that is, you know, in effect, we can secure in terms of funding and make sure we execute it. We use a talk talk, the NIST framework, which is one of the government stands in the US. And that's how we sort of benchmark ourselves each year on where we are on that. Because it's very easy to sit back and say, oh, we're great or we're not good at this point. But actually, having a sort of independent framework where you can benchmark where you are and then make the respective investments to improve in those capabilities is a key thing that we do and you know, derek's run the plan for the last three years and we've moved our you know our maturity up a number of levels but you know it's like in security it never ends so you know derek's now got a new three-year plan uh and what we're doing now in terms of what we invest in to make sure that we keep on trying to protect ourselves as best as possible in this market
0: yeah and we just spoke to some of them uh, a couple of guys in the security operations center who sort of outlined some of the Quite cool, quite mischievous in some ways. Um, initiatives that you're sort of involved in to yeah. protect the organisation and protect your customers as well.
1: Yeah, it's a growing part of it because obviously, when you think about uh, a traditional SOC it's all about protecting either the colleagues, protecting your IT estate. In our case, also protecting our network, which is you know is critical national infrastructure. But an emerging part of the security role is actually getting a lot closer to the customer, try and protect them as well. So. You know, we see, unfortunately, the the rise of things like phishing emails. We see scam calls across the industry. It's it's an industry problem uh, affecting everybody. But we're trying to be a bit of a thought leader in that space in terms of trying to implement both technology and processes to try and reduce that across the whole industry. So I'd like to think the team down there are really, you know, that brings them so much closer to the customer. Um, There's nothing worse than listening to sort of, you know, phishing emails and scam activity. So, again, you know, we try to help out in terms of trying to do our part for you know, society in that respect, try and reduce them in any way we can and protect customers.
0: One question I've uh, asked probably 80 to 90 percent of, of guests who've come on the podcast have been some of the, um, I suppose, maturing, emerging technologies that they're most sort of peaked and excited about that can have uh, positive or maybe negative sort of disruptive Um, impacts on an organization a couple of your colleagues we were speaking about machine learning and and rpa Mm -hmm. earlier are there any that you're particularly excited about and it could even be as a consumer not necessarily with your um,
1: yeah it's down with you know talk talk talking this stuff we're we're definitely excited on definitely on robotics because um you know, we we like many organisations have a number of processes that could be greatly improved. You know, not just in terms of cost perspective, but also from a customer experience perspective by using robotics. So, we've been sort of dipping our toe in the water and robotics, very good success on that in terms of automation. But we really see as a sort of cornerstone how our organisation evolves in next sort of three to five years that automated robotics uh, will play a huge amount uh, in terms of improving that service. You know, I mentioned when we did the tour earlier that you know we're just looking at in effect automated traffic routing right away across our network. So, you know, when we lose, say, you know, there's a fibre break in Newcastle, you know, somebody digs through a road, we want the network to automatically reroute all that traffic real-time, look how much traffic's on there and reroute it. So you you can have as many engineers as you want, but they'll just never do it as quick as the computer doing that and making those decisions. And when you deal with a network of our size with, you know, 3,000 points of presence across the UK and, you know, multiple 40 million devices accessing at any one point in time... The ability to do that real time quickly is absolutely key. So robotics is really excited, really, and really um, up for that. What we're doing around that said earlier, data. Just you know, we are literally just just on the sort of cusp of tapping into this data. So um, there's so much so much value left to go in terms of extrapolating value from our data. Uh, we think we've got at least another three to five years of sort of programs to sort of really tap into that. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, personally, in terms of you know, in terms of technology, interests me recently so much. I'm a bit of a technology geek, as you know. So, but um, you know, I do think you know, still, um, you know, what we're starting to see, especially on the network, is just, just, just an in, you know, just massive growth in terms of bandwidth, in terms of what people want. So, whether it's smart devices at home, I really like them. You know, in terms of what's happening, the automation of home devices, uh, things which make the home easier to manage as well. Because I don't know about you, but in my house now we've got some, like 50 devices. Uh, in the home. I might be, may not be the atypical user. Uh, our average number of devices in a talk talker is only 11 or 12, but um, I've got lots of devices doing things with smart heating or smart lighting. And I think a whole world of, I think it's going to be a whole management issue in home soon about how do you manage that environment? How do you simplify it? So I think there's probably a big opportunity there as well at some point. Some smart companies out there are better than me.
0: I think you've got more than us. I'm just trying to think out loud, probably less than 10. My girlfriend wouldn't let us have a smart speaker in in our flat so major, she's worried about security or yeah well didn't want uh one of those um big giants uh listening in on us so, <laughs> but uh it's not a not really a game changer i don't think um going into uh another decade what are the the uh big projects for your teams here that you're really gonna focus on and get your teeth in you know i'm sure there's like you said yeah. the phrase uh, data is the new oil you said you've got another five years of drilling yep. into this you think so yep. but what are some of the the big the big projects and things that your your team are going to be working on
1: yeah I, de- I definitely think you're right i think you know just on the data point you know keep on going but i think data we're still finding new new sort of, you know oil reserves of it we're not fracking for it yet it's you know, it's actually data rich though so we're going to keep going on that um for us as a sort of overall business you, you probably would have seen in the press but you know we really think that we're, we're just on the tipping edge of moving to this sort of fiber britain so you know we're really keen that you know we work with a number of providers, whether it's open reach or our own network or with other alternative providers we think that actually you know the quicker we get this whole country onto fiber to the premise the better for everyone um you know these products they work um, you know it's not it, it, the speed of it's not linked to how the weather is outside with old copper uh, so the speed's phenomenal the service works and then you know you can get on with doing whatever nobody wants to you know our our, our COO in in our consumer group says nobody wants to ring the broadband provider on a Saturday morning say my broadband doesn't work and spend an hour on the phone trying to diagnose it so in a world where you're on fiber uh, and that just works. You will know, be phoning your providers a lot less, which I think is good for everybody. Um, you know, in terms of that, so, you know, our big mission is about how do we move that over? Because it sounds really easy. Just put fiber in the ground and connect it up. Um, some people say that, but actually it's a whole transition. It makes moving from the old um, analog to digital TV, switch off, move from, you know, radio to old wave to DAB, et cetera, it makes them look really easy. Because in effect, you know, we've got to get infrastructure into literally to everybody's house, changing their in-home equipment, changing all the cable in the road and on top of that, the whole technology stack as well. So we literally did our um, did some launches. In fact, last week started connecting some trial customers onto some of our new services and the feedback is amazing. So I think that'll keep us busy for a while, um, but I'm sure the our teams across the consumer and our B2B division will have some projects that keep me busy as well.
0: One theme that uh, we're going to be writing a bit more about on CIO UK uh, in 2020 is a theme that came up at the cio summit this year it was mentioned at the co100 dinner as well which is about um, sustainability and the role cios and cto's can play in their organizations um, is this something that's on your uh, agenda for what, what talk talk's doing in the next in the next year or, or or for the future
1: yeah i think it's something that we've had working for quite some time and edward but Actually, it's starting to come more more the front because obviously you know, the climate change becoming a lot more uh, on the front pages. You know, so you know for a number of years we've done as, as all organisations we've always been constantly looking at the power consumption and what we do and how we get a bit greener. You know, half of that because you're always trying to reduce costs, but I think that, you know to, to a degree there's been a lot of legislation where you have to buy carbon credits as well. So actually, the, the governments of the past have tried to sort of say if you don't get a grip of this, we're going to penalise well, which is <clears throat> which has worked quite well. You know, in total, we've done all the usual things. We've got big data center footprints, and we've reduced our. You know, we've put hot and cold aisles in there. We put more LED lights in there. We changed our cooling systems in terms of effectiveness. Um, so we're definitely on a mission. We've, we've reduced our CO two year after year. We had a number of carbon targets. If you look across our sort of our, our websites, you'll see that we've hit all of our targets and exceed them in that. But actually, really exciting. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about. The move from you know sort of traditional broadband to fibre, you know, we've calculated alone that you know once we move our own network from a sort of copper-based network where you have to power at each end uh, to a sort of fibre-based network where there's sort of less power and less thing, we're going to remove basically about thirty-one thousand tons of CO two per year across it. And that's an eighty percent reduction, which is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. We've got some, you know, this is it is literally a game. We've got to do the small things, you know, make sure we've got all these, you know, we've we've been turned down fans in our estate, making sure they're not on high and, you know, doing that across the estate to make sure they're all in sort of auto and eco mode, you know, turning lights off automatically across the estate, you know, making sure all the offices are smart in terms of the power consumption. But you've got all those small things, but, you know, we've got some massive opportunities in terms of reduction. And I think it's, you know, it's everyone's got to take their, their first year. Now, everybody out there on the podcast might not have, big data centers or, you know, big IT estates. But, you know, they're all going to have probably servers in rooms or they've already got, you know, desktops and colleague laptops or even screens around. You can see across this business, we've got big old wallboards running lots of uh, data dashboards. I think just getting smart in all of them, you know, every kilowatt here and every kilowatt there is going to add up. So I think, yeah, definitely on our agenda, you'll see more from next year uh, in terms of that, in terms of, you know, but we're really keen to talk fly the flag in this space. I think it's really keen. It's great that you're adding it to the uh, CIO questionnaire
0: lastly gary because i know you've got a uh, some annual leave coming up before um, and this is your last day in the office before you yep. get that uh, another uh, gary steen quotation uh, that's related to the cio role and i also like to ask cios about their interpretation of what it is and how it's changing is you said you see the cio role as the glue across an organisation so how does that uh, Sort of work in reality
1: yeah it's an interesting question I always think you know for me the best CIOs are the ones who can not just deliver some of the technical capability but can you know add to both the customer experience and obviously the business direction so I think if that's the role you want to get into in terms of offer that capability and be a broader leader in that respect then really it is you do have to be that glue because I always say it's not about the technology having to actually lead the business and technology first. And some companies are technology driven, but I think it's really important that if, if your business delivers technology, then your technology capability and your CIO needs to be have a sort of you know a, a sort of equal place at the table and be able to add value. So for us at TalkTalk, Talk, I definitely feel that, you know, I'm part of the the exco at Talk TalkTalk and you know we have an equal right to contribute to both not just the technology plan uh, but also to where the business direction is going as well so you know we definitely feel that my job is to sort of bring together the requirements across you know two two different organizations from a consumer b2b perspective we have different mds different teams etc but you know my job is sort of glue those requirements together and make sure we get that, that value out and we make sure we deliver a cohesive set of systems and capabilities that deliver to both sides of the business um, so that's what i try and do hopefully
0: I do have one actual final question, even okay. though I said last week just that. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to put you on the spot because uh, we're not the, the CIO um, mafia by any stretch of the imagination, but we met for the first time in May last year at the CIO 100 dinner and we've just relaunched uh, the process for 2020. So as much as I'd recommend everyone puts them sort of their organization their team themselves forward to be re- recognized what I will ask though is how uh, important is it and what are the benefits of, of sharing the successes of, of what a team's been involved in you know over the previous 12 months and then also getting together with some peers in a room and yeah. um, sort of showcasing as a as a, as a, as a group you know, it's quite stratified group, I suppose, in some ways. What you've, what CIOs have been working on. Yeah, I think
1: I think you spot on. I think the benefits are, you know, there's multiple multiple benefits. I think getting together with some like minded people in the room is really really good, because um, you, you find out that the the challenges we have are, are more in common than different. Uh, whether it's skills or whether it's budgetary concerns or security issues, we've all got very, very similar problems and statements. So it's great to see how other people are approaching them, uh, where they're finding challenges. You know where you can help them as well. You know how did you approach something around you know, increasing security budgets or what you need to do to bring certain things to the to the to the board's attention? So I think there's a great sort of peer event just to, just a start of a ten. I think it's obviously always good. Um, you know, forget where you sit in the CIO. You know, where, where in the number, I think just being part of the CIO 100 regards position is a great thing as well. 'Cause it's just acknowledgement that not you just using individually, but you know, we got it went down really well with the team here because we're trying to build, yeah, you know, I say we're trying to build that frugal and that technology, great technology business here. So you know, the more we can get the fact is you know, I represent the technology capability to talk to, them, but actually there's nine hundred and fifty people behind me. Uh, And they're the people actually doing all the day in day out hard work. You know, I'm just taking the credit for it and helping them out. So I think getting the team and getting them exposed to it is really, really good as well. And, you know, the more, more things we contribute to, the more the awards we can win, more we keep pushing on this. It's going to be great when you're trying to build that, that capability.
0: Fantastic. Gary, thank you very much for that and saying nice things about one of our initiatives as well, for what we think are the reasons it's successful as well, because it is important to, to showcase and share. And, um, Uh, Well, finally, wish you all the best with uh, all the big plans for for 2020 and beyond. So I hope you enjoyed listening to CIO UK's chat with TalkTalk CTO Gary Steen there. Thank you very much to Gary for contributing his time and his pearls of wisdom. I hope very much that it was of use to yourself, dear listener, and in particular, if it prompts you to get that 2020 CIO 100 response in. As usual, all feedback, constructive and otherwise, is welcome and the best way to get in touch with us is probably on our social feeds which are at CIO UK on Twitter and LinkedIn. We hope that you have enjoyed listening and also that you're able to join for our next edition as well as checking out previous ones.